know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. believe in this Loki variant? Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. Why? It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. You're not big on trust, are you? Trust me. Loki, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting on Facebook Live for the first time in over a year. Uh, our usual partners over at Phantom Empire had a little bit of a scheduling conflict, and we'll get to that in just a second. It's probably the most legit scheduling conflict you've ever heard of. And <laughs> yep. so we improvised, and we're making it work with a Facebook Live production here. I'm Zach, on the call with Ben, back for some more fun. And as you can see on our very fancy and totally not thrown together in 30 minutes lower third... We have a really great discussion for you tonight in the form of Loki. That's right. Yes. The the Disney Plus show that probably everybody on social media was talking about for six weeks in a row. Uh, we're here for a really, really great and lively discussion. And it, it should be 
very, very interesting to kind of do some comparisons and contrasts, looking at the evolution of the Loki character, and of course, a lot of the big reveals that happened in uh, the final episode, all that and more. Ben, it's not YouTube, but we're here, and I'm excited we to have you, it. man. It's good. Hey, look, it's better than nothing, all right? Um, And Sean and all those guys, I think they had a perfectly good reason for not being here tonight and not helping us out. And, you know, we're more than happy to give them a break. So uh, I think they deserved it. And uh, why don't you explain what's going on? I think – I think it's uh, I think it's good. I mean, it's probably the most legit reason you could think of. It's Sean's birthday. <laughs> I <No>. mean, <laughs> I mean, of course he's not going to want to produce our podcast on his birthday. I wouldn't want to produce my podcast on my birthday. In fact, I believe there are times over the course of our seven-year history where I've done, like, an abbreviated episode or we've, like, recorded the day before or something because I just didn't want to podcast on my birthday. So I get it. Happy birthday, Sean. We are extremely excited that you have stuck around on this planet for another year (laughs) in spite of how dangerous Canada may be right now. Did you hear that he, like, tripped and fell the other day? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Had a, had a pretty nasty fall, but it's not stopping him from producing really great content over at Phantom Empire. So if you're not following them on YouTube, you need to be sure to do that. If you're a part of the Phantom Empire Den or the Intergalactic Peace Hangout group on Facebook, be sure to just uh, tell him happy birthday before the day yeah. is out. Um, I was kind of saving it up so that I could say it on social media, but uh, I mean on the podcast, and then I realized he's probably not even going to uh to 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 hear it because he's off celebrating so it's fine but he'll probably hear it after the fact happy birthday buddy and uh many many more to come hopefully so yeah we're we're, ma- we're making the most of it here on uh on facebook and we've already got a lot of people engaged uh in the live feed already thank you to everybody that's tuning in we're excited to have you i forgot to mute my computer so oopsie on that <laughs> But Loki, ah, well, multitasking, multi- what are you gonna do? multitasking and multiversing. Ooh, spoiler. <laughs> I, I think we're past the spoiler. It's been a couple of weeks. It's, all right. It's, it's been, it's been, been we've s- had plenty of time to watch this show. Guys. I'm sorry. Can you, can you believe it? The finale is already like a month past almost. We're already like, what if is coming up mm-hmm. in a week? Like what if it's coming like, up. passing time is passing so quickly. You're, you're going to be getting, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of posters for Shang-Chi. We're getting yeah. more teasers for it. Um, we're, we're just getting a lot of Marvel content. And in spite of the, you know, controversy that's going around with Black Widow, this is a really great year to be a Marvel fan. Like, so yes. many movies, so many TV shows. We're getting WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki, three TV series. And then What If makes four. And then, and then I believe Hawkeye, I think, is coming up in November, later, they just announced. Later this year? Is it like November, yeah. I think? Yeah, November, yeah. So that's five TV shows, and then you're going to have, uh, what is it, Black Widow, and then Shang-Chi, and then Eternals. And then Eternals. And then, and then I've heard reports that depending on how this whole Delta variant thing plays out, uh, Spider-Man may end up getting delayed out of its... December slot. Have you heard anything about that? 
I keep hearing because like they had Cliff the Clifford movie is coming out and they're like they delayed that and they yep. blamed it on the the new COVID variant and you can't blame them because things are heating up again. Go get your shot, people. Um, but you know, it's it, it is. I mean, they got to do what they got to do. Um, but they keep pushing it back. It's like, are we ever going to see this movie? That movie's supposed to come out like a year ago. It feels like, right. um, and now they're packing all these new MCU movies, like within the span of just a few months, really. Um, because they've been holding out for so long. Thankfully we've got these TV shows to hold us over because we've been waiting a long time. Finally, we saw black widow. Um, but, uh, who knows with the other ones? <laughs> Funny story. Um, I ended up seeing jungle cruise before I saw black widow. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Oops, <laughs> sorry. You, you you chose uh, the Rock over Black uh, uh, ScarJo. Um, uh, you know, uh, or did I, I... I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about Black Widow. I think you have mixed feelings about Jungle Cruise. So we'll uh, maybe we'll we'll hash it out at some point. Maybe maybe eventually, but we won't do it tonight. Uh, George Rivera's in the chat. Says what's up, uh, yeah. dude? Um, on the topic of what's up. Before we get into the discussion, um, some personal news. Today, as of uh, like an hour and a half ago, I officially unveiled Zach Arnold Productions. Z-A-P. I saw that. There's, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes work going on over it this summer, but essentially anything that I have been a part of now falls under this umbrella of Zach Arnold Productions. Obviously, Ben, you've been a big part of how to produce IPC, especially after the fact. And so I, I don't want you to feel like I'm not giving you due credit either. But I mean no, pop, I, the... I, I I have my I have my own production company. It's it's a Ben Hurt but no, no. No, it's culture I'm slate. not jealous, all right. <laughs> it's culture slate. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or Star Wars Underworld or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 now connected to what like eight different organizations of some kind, counting Zach Arnold Productions. So, uh, you know, just all over the place. Um, I and I I don't take offense. I, I'm glad for that. Well, and and the little the little blue lightning bolt that you see here that kind of ties into the blue lightning bolt that's incorporated into the logo. Uh, I, I've I've always just loved the color blue, and I've always had like this this fiery passion for the kind of things that I. I've been getting into like podcasting, broadcasting, uh, game operations, that kind of thing. And fire is at its hottest when it's blue. Oh, so, yeah. So I'm I'm throwing a little science in there with like a blue hot instead of a red hot passion for the things that I'm producing. Hence the blue lightning bolt in Zach Arnold Clever. Productions. So yeah, that's officially unveiled and. In total, if you count the Jedi Pod production that we did back in 2017, which got like 35,000 views all on its own, uh, if you count that <laughs> and then like the football stuff and like the 25, 30,000 plus downloads that IPC has had over the years, um, I've been a part or helped produce content that has reached about 100,000 people over the last seven years. And those are not too not good numbers, man. And so I know that there are people that have higher numbers than that in one video alone, but I feel like it's a really solid foundation to be able to to build upon and hopefully see if we can get ZAP to take off and go to other places. So yeah, that's what's up, George. Jesse says, love the artwork design. George says, congrats. Um, 
Stephen says, listening for a bit before I have to go do something else. Well, hashtag priorities, Stephen. Um, before before we lose you, though, I, I want to get your thoughts and everybody else in the chat's thoughts on the TV show Loki. Let's let's go ahead and get into like initial impressions, thoughts on how things were as a whole, kind of the spoiler-free section, so that those listening on the podcast can get our initial thoughts. Um, so that those who want to get the spoiler-free reaction before they log off, they can get that that sort of thing. Ben, what did you think of Loki? And while you're telling us, I want to see some thoughts from the chat too. So, Ben, cool thoughts on Loki. Yeah, so going into this, and I'll just I'll kind of preface this by saying that I was I wouldn't say I was not excited for this show, but I was definitely I wasn't this wasn't this was like low on the totem pole of like shows I've been excited for um for the Marvel stuff. Like we got all those different announcements. We heard about we've been hearing about, you know, Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier. Falcon Winter Soldier was the show that I like, okay. This is my show. This is my jam. I love this. And thankfully, I came out the other side going like, this was my favorite. And yes, Falcon Winter Soldier is my favorite of the bunch we've gotten so far. But I will say, I think objectively speaking, I think Loki is the best one out of the bunch. I genuinely think it is the best one. It's the best constructed and the best written and just all around such a well-made show. And I didn't I'm not gonna say I didn't expect that, but I didn't expect it to be like this this great and this just like compact, but also so such an impact on the whole universe. Like that last episode, man, that's setting up so many things. So many things. That, you know, there's a lot happening in this show and you don't realize it till till the end, like, wow, okay. This is impacting this is the start of something huge and i know some there was some differing opinions about the that last episode i totally get that but i think we are watching something that is going to impact for the next 10 15 years maybe forever marvel cinematic universe like that's huge and i think like i was completely impressed by the acting the script everything about the show i think loki hit it all on the nail and no disrespect i love wandavision and Falcon Winter Soldier is still my favorite, but I got to give it to Loki as being like the top tier Marvel project that I didn't see coming. Yeah, I think it, I think it's always like a little bit more of a pleasant surprise when you don't go in with very many expectations and then it ends up kind of blowing those expectations out of the water. And it sounds like Ben's having some connection issues, so I'm not going to follow up too terribly much. What I'll do while we're waiting for him to reconnect is uh, read some of the comments from people here uh, in the Facebook chat. Ben, are you uh, are you reconnecting with us? Looks like he is. That's okay. Steven says, I love the premiere. I thought the subsequent episodes were good, but not as good as the premiere. Felt underwhelmed by the info-dumpy finale. Well, that's that's kind of heavy, but uh, I mean, there was a lot of monologuing and exposition in that fin- final episode, and we'll get to that and everything else in just a second. Uh, Jesse says, overall, I give it a 9 out of 10. Some parts definitely lost me, not my most anticipated show. It definitely surprised. Out of the three shows, this takes two behind WandaVision. 
Uh, looks like Ben's trying to reconnect. That's okay. Technical issues always happen on IPC, and, and we've just kind of come to expect them at this point. So I'm going to check in with him on Facebook and see what happened there. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things he was talking about, how there's the personal favorite um, versus the the one that's objectively the best. And that is definitely something that um, that I have witnessed in the last, I want to say, year or two, I suppose, um, about not going into something with very high expectations and still coming away with a lot of pleasant surprises. Loki, I, I don't think I, I had super high expectations for it, but it ended up surpassing them anyways and i think that may have been in the vein of what ben was talking about before we lost connection with him um so it looks like he uh he is just gone for now so you all get to see the audacity recording that was happening in the background he says his internet just disappeared says my internet just vanished so that's always a fun thing but uh, we will get back to Ben when we are able to, and you get to see some behind-the-scenes of what we do here. So, lucky you. Um, going on to my initial impressions on Loki. The show must go on, right? Um, going to my initial impressions of Loki, uh, I would say, out of the three, this probably is my favorite. And and that's not to say that uh, I didn't enjoy Falcon and Winter Soldier, I didn't enjoy WandaVision, um, but I, I think there are certain components of this show that feel more Marvel than almost anything we've watched in recent memory. And I say that with the full knowledge that we had Endgame just a couple of years ago. And so uh, it's a it's a pretty pretty high praise for me to be able to say that. But this just has that classic Marvel feel to it. It's got the right punchlines at the right time. It's got the right action sequences at the right time. The premiere, as Steven said, was just, it was awesome. And it gives you a lot to think about. And it gives you a lot to consider. And, uh, and that's part of what makes Marvel so great, is when it's thought-provoking. When it gives you chances to think outside the box the same way the creators did when they were making the show in the first place. They had to think outside the box when they were, you know, writing the script for this program. And so you get to watch all of that unfold. And I think that's one of my favorite things about Loki is I have a hard time looking at Loki and thinking that I could write something better. There are times in Falcon and Winter Soldier and even times in WandaVision where I'm sitting there going, I could have written this, or I could have written something better. But I don't think at any point did I really feel that about Loki. Maybe in the season finale. And we'll get to that whenever Ben's internet returns to him. But I feel like there were a lot of sequences where you're you're watching stuff unfold and you really don't know what's going to happen next. 
the mystery of it all is part of what I enjoyed so much. It had a detective series feel to it. It also had um, kind of that action show feel to it. Um, it had stuff that was out of this world. It also had stuff that was within this world. It had stuff that was in this world, but in another universe. And so when you take all of that and try to encompass it together into one production, it's a grand undertaking. And I feel like they took that and built something really impressive. And so, yeah, I'm kind of in the veins of, of Jesse's comment about how I feel like it, it would probably be around a 9 out of 10. I have very few complaints about Loki. And uh, even though one of those complaints is how um, how everything kind of needed to be a little explained in the final episode, um, much like Steven talked about, it was kind of exposition heavy, but it also... It, I think it's also kind of necessary given what kind of audience we've got watching shows like this. And I'm not saying that Marvel audiences are dumb. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm not saying they can't put the pieces of the puzzle together. What I am saying is that it's simpler to have monologues than to draw it out and have the characters figure it out for themselves every single time. They spent the entire series trying to figure everything out. And so... Having the exposition in the finale kind of made sense, kind of didn't. I'm trying not to ramble too much, but I'm also stalling just a little bit. Because apparently Ben has to restart his entire computer. I have had times like that, where I'm being a guest on Phantom Empire, and I'm getting ready to host my segment, like my news segment on Phantom Empire Now or Phantom Empire Live, and all of a sudden my computer's like... Oh, hello, Alexa. So Alexa's stalking me now. Great. I can't say the C word anymore. I should have learned my lesson, but I can't say the C word anymore because I wanted to feel like I was on Star Trek, and so I have to say, hey, do this, this, and this. Turn up this light. Turn off this light. Give me a weather report, blah, blah, blah. Every time I do that, I have to say, you know, but I'm not going to say that actual word because apparently Alexa's stalking me when that happens. So here comes Ben in the comments section, just all, ah! Jesse says, My biggest issue with Loki is that it offers a canon reason for every why didn't they try this scenario? Well, Jesse, I, th I think that's true, but only to a certain extent, because if, if that were the case, I don't think we'd be getting a Marvel's What If series. So I do think there's still more to explore. I just, I, I don't feel like they should have covered as much as they did. You know, this actually reminds me of an episode of IPC that we did intentionally about six and a half years ago. Back then, I was really ambitious, and I thought, hmm, if Ben's out of town, show must go on. We didn't really have the foresight to, like, invite somebody to be a guest on the show. So I just hosted the damn thing myself. And it did not go well. Uh, let me tell you, uh, there's there's a reason why we don't give people access to episodes that far back anymore. Because they are corrupt! 
and uh, this episode is no different. I went solo, and I spent like a little over an hour all by myself talking about the Jurassic Park novels and how they compared to the movies. And I even read excerpts from the books just to kind of kill time. I read like two or three pages sometimes, and it it really just it didn't go well. I, I thought that it would be a cool idea in the moment, and then after the moment passed, I was like, ugh, ugh, ugh. So it, it helped me appreciate Ben a lot more. It really did. And I know he's watching like on his phone or something, so uh, dude, I miss you already. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about um, the the first episode. Let's just talk about the first episode in the comments for a little bit here, and uh, we'll we'll kind of build from that because uh, the the first episode I believe is called Glorious Purpose where he gets captured by the TVA in the moments and events that happen right after uh, Avengers Endgame. And, uh, you know, you go through that process of, of being in the the TVA processing unit, and you're trying to figure out where you are, you're, you know, uncertain as to what caused this in the first place, trying to get out, trying to get home, trying to use your powers... You know, Loki tried to think of everything he possibly could, and yet he still ends up having to go through the scanner that tries to detect if he's a robot. He still has to, um, you know, sign off on every word that he's ever said in his entire life, and it's just a stack of papers, just, just woo, way up here. And and then the comment Stephen made is the one is the part of the episode I was about to get to. The moment when Loki is looking for his ticket and almost can't find it is so relatable and gave me so much anxiety. You have no idea how many times I have like scrambled through my pockets looking for the receipt for my food order or when I'm in line at the DMV or, you know, whatever the case may be. I try and make sure that I've got my ticket. It also kind of reminded me of the Polar Express just a little bit where it's like, tickets, please. Tickets, please. Except uh, if you don't have your ticket at the TVA, you get eliminated, which sucks. Uh, we learn later that that, that isn't uh, entirely the case, but um, we'll get to that. Spoilers. But, I mean, come on, folks. You've had weeks to get caught up on this. If you haven't watched it yet, hopefully this episode gives you the motivation to do so now. And, uh, Ben, guess what? You're going to get to monologue as soon as you get back, buddy, because my mouth is going dry and I'm going to need to, like, take a half a bottle of water before I can go on with the rest of the discussion. Uh, Jesse in the comments, thanks, guys, for backing me up. I really appreciate it. Please keep the comments coming. The whole sequence of him being admitted pure gold for a character that thinks they are big and realizes how small they actually are. That's a really good point. Loki has always, you know, been more godlike. And he comes face to face with people who are basically his superiors. They're his match. They're his superiors. They, they know everything about him. They know why he's there and he doesn't. So it kind of bugs him that they know something about him that, that he doesn't know. And 
it's fun watching that side of him. It's fun watching him get frustrated over something and seeing him get frustrated that easily and trying to match wits with Mobius, AKA Owen Wilson. Uh, that obviously did not go very well either. And so it's, it's, it's entertaining. And, and I guess that's the, the best adjective I can use to describe this episode, but just these types of interactions in general. It was very entertaining to see Loki get frustrated and flustered and have to think on his feet instead of, you know, having everything planned out step by step by step, thinking two, three, four steps ahead like he honestly does, like, does most of the time. Like, that's basically who he is. That's his M.O. is, you know, he's thinking and scheming and plotting and strategizing for goodness knows how long. And then he finally puts it uh, into execution. So uh, we've got an update from Ben. I'm going to give you guys the play-by-play on everything. I am on my second restart, he says. If this doesn't work, I'm just going to call on my phone. Sound quality will probably be crap, but the connection will be perfect and we can make this work. You know what? The show must go on. The show must go on. You guys like my Marvel shirt? I like my Marvel shirt. It's a little skimpy in the uh, beer gut region, but thankfully you don't have to see that far down. Thankfully nobody does. Um, but for all you know, I could be in my boxers underneath this. So, <laughs> um, For people... Whoop, drop my phone. Hello. I'm back. Uh... For people who are listening along at home, I'm sure that whole sequence was very confusing. I apologize, but thank you all for your patience as we try and work through this. Um, IPC has definitely had its um, its ups and downs over the years. You should listen to the sound quality that we had back in the day because I got a microphone. Before I got my Yeti, before I had this headset, I had a Yeti. Before I had a Yeti, I had just a regular audio jack headphone that just like plugs into the little headphone area. And I got a splitter so that I could listen on like regular old earphones and then also plug in my microphone. Problem was, I didn't know how to change inputs back then. And I don't know if that input even worked properly. And so for like the first couple of years, I'm pretty sure I produced my podcast on the microphone on my laptop. And it sounded terrible. Thank God for Yetis. Yetis are amazing. Cannot recommend them enough. I recommend them to people that are starting up podcasts. Um, Yeti Snowballs in particular. They're only like 40 bucks. Really, really good sound quality. Really, really inexpensive if you're just starting up. Literally, just get that and get Audacity. And find some free sound effects and maybe some free music online, royalty-free music that's like a couple of bucks to pay for for your intro song, and you're good to go. Um, think we're getting. I do apologize. <gasps> I hear you, but I can't see you. Hey, look who it is! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Ah! I am so 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 sorry that that happened. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I've got issues, if you haven't already known. Um, some of them are up here, but a lot of them are down here. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, we were talking about startup podcasts. I gave my initial thoughts. We kind of jumped into the first 
episode a little bit, so we'll give our thoughts on that in a second. But I was talking about startup podcasts when you rang in, and I'm just going to go ahead and mention a startup podcast that's actually advertising on our podcast right now. Absolutely. It's uh, it's our friend Jesse, who is uh, on the shout-out tier and above, so if you're interested in becoming a patron and you want to get a shout-out here on the show, like Jesse or Joey, um, then be sure to go and subscribe at that tier. But he is subscribed all the way up to the advertisement tier. And uh, so he's got a new podcast that is just starting up, and he uses programs like Audacity. And um, so it's it's kind of cool to like be an inspiration, almost, more or less. Um, I'm not trying to sound prideful here, but I believe IPC has inspired <laughs> at least five different podcasts that I know of. Maybe six. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure that sounds right. And so that's really humbling that over the course of seven years, we have inspired at least five other podcasts to start up. And one of them is a new show called Question Possible Answer. And yeah. they say, come join us as we discuss some of our favorite movies with a twist. Ignoring canon, every question is on the table unless the answer is given in the series. We also introduce our own fun theories and possibilities. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can just go look for question possible answer on Facebook and question underscore possible underscore answer on Instagram. It's now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast services. So, uh, Jesse, congratulations on starting that up, man. We're excited for you, and I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, what new content comes out because it's almost like from what I understand it's almost like the what if series that's coming out um, but it's like yeah. but it's like what if Watto accepted Republic credits <laughs> like how different would Star Wars be if Watto just said okay yeah. 20,000 Republic Titanis that's fair okay and you just go on from there um, so yeah go go check them out and uh be sure to follow us online. You can see IPC podcast on all those different places. You can see our socials on the bottom down there. I'm not going to talk about them anymore. You know where to find them. You know where to find us. So Ben, let me get your thoughts on episode one of Loki, AKA glorious purpose. Yeah, I really I think this is the episode that kind of hooked me into the episode, into the whole show. Like it really kind of like, it was kind of what I expected, but I didn't expect him to go like all the way with this at so soon and showing like letting Loki just kind of live out his life and showing what his actions and getting this Loki that's right off hot off the adventures. <laughs> and uh, what? <laughs> I told everybody at home. I told you. Soon as he gets back on the show, I'm having like half of a water bottle. <laughs> Here it is. Folks. All I know is he puts the ball bottle up. And he's like his eyes get real big. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> no, he's enjoying. He's enjoying. You just keep drinking. Keep drinking. I'll keep talking. You keep drinking. And I drink when you're talking, so it's all good. Um, I like how it's blurred on, on the thing. It's like you're you don't want to like sponsor the people or something. Um, I don't know what's going on. There. I just peel the uh, label off. You don't have to know what water I drink. Okay. All right. It's a big secret. It's a big secret. Um, But I love getting this Loki that's right hot off the Avengers. I mean, it would have been enough. Like, part of the point of Ragnarok is like, 
you just won't change Loki. Like you keep doing these things over and over again. And that's kind of part of his character. So you could pick up with him there. You could grab him off of, you know, just before he gets killed by Thanos, or maybe he faked his own death or whatever else, like he usually does, and take him and go like, they could still do a similar arc, but it wouldn't be as powerful. You're taking him at the height of his hubris, at the height of his like, I'm going to take over the universe. I love, you know, Owen Wilson's line about uh, Loki, king of space. You know, like, what what do you want to do with your life? And Loki's just honest with him. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be king of, you know, Midgard, king of space, whatever. And taking him and just knocking him down a peg and, and hitting – and Mobius is the one that just is a kind of a nice guy but also a jerk to him. <laughs> like he's like, um, oh, like you killed your mother? Like he's just – he will not let up. And then leaving Loki alone in that room to just basically watch his himself die. Like that's huge. And – it's really contextually it's so great because it's a it's a villain realizing they're the villain it's a you know mobius kind of breaking the fourth wall and going like you're a villain you are your destiny is to cause chaos and death like that's your purpose and like that is your glorious purpose and a villain being shown that and going like holy crap i really do this is bad i need to change my ways that's powerful stuff and and of course it's set Loki on his path to where he is where he is at the end of the series which is he's completely different yeah and I think that's part of what makes that first episode so great is it's like a like a tone setter almost like you 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 you, you come to see him where he's at and then you see him kind of decrease a little bit and then you get to see him rise from those ashes into what is essentially a new person, a different person. And that that is the type of character development that I never thought I would get to see from Loki. Like, if yeah, you think all exactly. the way back to the first Thor movie, where, you know, his plan works and then it doesn't work and he's he's about to, to drift off into space at the end of the film and... You know, he lets go and he and he he drifts away, and you think, "Oh well, he's dead." And from that point on, it felt like that that releasing meant that he was like releasing himself from family, that he was releasing himself from any potential to grow or change. Like it, it seemed like he had just completely let go of any possibility of redemption, and then. This entire show basically spends somewhere near six hours explaining to you anyone, even Loki, can be redeemed. Yeah, yeah, I think and it's a it's a beautiful message, and to see Loki, who is this character that is bad, maybe not necessarily evil, but he does bad things. He gets people killed. He 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 betrays the people that are closest to him all the time. And he does it over and over again. He is in a cycle of violence and just self-destruction and to see him come back from that and just like say, Whoa, Whoa, this is like, and the whole sticking point with his mother and, and seeing himself get his neck snap. Like that's, I think anyone, if they saw their life flash before their eyes, literally and saw where they died and saw that they're, you know, where they're, where you're going 
and you see, okay, that's how I die. Okay, I better change some things because that sucks. Right. He's probably sitting there going, not if I have anything to say about it. And, you know, what's what's interesting is there's kind of like a whole bunch of new terminology to help us understand something that we've basically known about for a while. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard of the multiverse, but not a lot of people have really heard the term variant before. Maybe not a lot of people have heard the term nexus event before. And so we, we got a lot of the, these new terms and phrases and a bit more understanding as to how the timeline and even the timekeepers work to a certain extent. And I think that was the one of the more interesting components of the series is just the lore of it all. You know, there is a history that has been going on since the beginning of time as we know it. Right. And it's been going on without our knowledge. It's been going on without our understanding. And in in this series, it had kind of a Wizard of Oz feel to it where it's like you're pulling back the curtain and yeah, you get to yeah, see yeah, yeah. the man behind the mirror, like pulling at the strings and manipulating things and bringing them back to where they were supposed to be in the first place. Like it, it's very fascinating to watch all of that unfold and to do it from the perspective of somebody with as big a hubris as Loki, as you mentioned, um, it, it makes things both comical and intriguing all at the same time. Cause who who better to to watch nexus events from than somebody who is literally known for mischief right for like, causing trouble like literally known for causing trouble causing problems being mischievous like that is loki's essence who better to watch all these things unfold from literally name me somebody that you know, you could watch this stuff unfold from their perspective and it would be better than Loki. Would it be Captain America? I I think, I think Steve would be like way too analytical. He, he would, he would be like way too nervous about everything, really apprehensive, but Loki just kind of leans into it. It's like, all right, let's roll with it. Let's, let's figure this out. And so uh... I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anybody, maybe Iron Man, but you know, we know that can't happen. So, like, I I can't picture anybody better helping us come to terms with all the things that we learned about in this series than Loki. Like, it, it was it was just, I, just a, I love how, especially in the second episode, they talk about how, like, they've pruned more Lokis than any other being. Like, there's so many different versions of Loki, as we see in later episodes. But also just the fact that that Loki is so mischievous and so just off the wall that he creates so much trouble and they have to prune so many of these guys. And, you know, and that's literally like Loki is just like a problem for them. Like he's just constantly this Mm -hmm. thorn in their side. They have to keep on coming back to getting rid of Lokis. They know that they basically they have experts on Loki like Mobius. Right. Like how funny would that be to make like one person your entire career exactly like 
I've spent my entire career learning the mannerisms of Ben Hart. <laughs> like, I I know I know when his bowel movements are. Okay, I have okay. That's a little personal. All right, Mister TVA, please don't don't studied this man. Give me some privacy. Top to bottom, from start to end, and I know one thing that is certain about all versions of Ben Hart's that I've encountered: they can't get enough pulled pork. Wow, you just saw into my soul there. Jeez, that's almost creepy. Um, <laughs> but I love, I love Mobius. Mobius is like, I've literally studied your every moment of your life. Like, I know you, st- you've stabbed people in the back like fifty times. Like he, he knows. Like he can have a conversation with Loki. Loki doesn't know who he is, but Mobius knows everything about Loki. He spent all his time researching and knows exactly who Loki is. And just get to sit back and psychoanalyze him and go like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? You know, what are you like? And, you know, oh, I don't like to talk. Oh, but you do like to lie, which you just did because I know you love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) He just met his match with this guy. And and I think that's that's another one of my favorite components is the on-screen chemistry for this entire cast. Especially especially Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. But I mean, even when the two Lokis get together, you know, when they when they meet, like there's great chemistry within the Loki character as well. More chemistry than I expected there to be. (laughs) (laughs) A little spark. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do let's do some some chemistry, some uh, some anatomy and physiology, Um, you know. Let's 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 study all the different scientific spectrums. Biology, you know, what would happen if a if a Loki mated with Loki? Like, do you get a clone or a child? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a thing. That's a thing. What happens mm-hmm. when? Um, because I mean, seeing the end of the episode, we don't know if they end up together. Or they have time to make babies, but uh, I mean, you have to ask the question. You have to wonder. They're literally the same person, just different versions. How does this work? And and that's that's the thing. Going back to uh, to the Nexus event, is the the concept of being able to hide within apocalypses was really fascinating to me. That's great because you know we get to see Pompeii, you know, and I haven't seen a, a Pompeii simulation since Doctor Who. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like to, to go back to Pompeii and take a look at one of those types of events where nobody survives, nothing really matters. And, you know, it, it, Loki just goes out there, you know, Hiddleston's Loki just goes out there and he's like, hey, this is who I am. You're all going to die. And like there's no deviations on the timeline. Everything unfolds exactly how it's supposed to be like it, it's it's fascinating to think about how they are living in an apocalypse, you know, they get left behind in an apocalypse, one of the worst apocalypses in history. And the chemistry that goes on between the two of them is enough to turn an apocalypse into a nexus event. And that's how they get found. Right. Like, like that particular spark, that holding of the hands, that oh, tugging at the heartstrings, whatever you want to call it, that was enough to cause the TVA to find them again. And I was like, wow, that is a really big deviation from anything that we've known because 
it's it, it just seems to be extremely rare. No matter how narcissistic and self-centered you may be, could you really actually fall in love with yourself? Yeah, I think it's a very low-key move to fall in love with yourself. To like just come just 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 to out of the blue go like, oh, this this person who is literally me, another version of me. That's the person that I love. That's the person I'm like, oh, oh, that's, that's some fine stuff over there. Oh, it's me. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love that. And it's something they really don't maybe, like, explain in the show. And maybe they'll get more into season two. But it's kind of like the whole idea of, like, they're, like, they have, like, a huge spike when they're together. They're like, they're like, they're going to die. They're probably going to kiss. They're probably going to get together. And then, like, that thing goes on up there. And you're like, okay, what does this mean? Why is that? How can that be so powerful? And I guess it's just because they're low keys. Maybe you're not supposed to get it all with yourself. I don't know. Um, it just it's just that much. The universe is like, no, no. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm gonna take the show from PG-13 to uh, to rated R for just oh, a no. second. <laughs> just a second, because if the two Loki variants do hook up. Is it sex or is it just masturbation? You're asking the real questions. I don't want to answer it, but you're asking a great question. <laughs> I just bring up that other meme. He's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, going off of, of that vein, just a, just a little bit, Jesse's got a couple of questions in the chat that are probably a little more serious than than the one I just posed. I hope so. Do variants have different DNA? If they, if they do, then they are different. And I would think that they would have to have different DNA because they have different chromosomes, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, okay. I think, I think what the show is trying to say and I think what the ultimate point here is that the TVA were restricting things and saying, like, you can only have one version of one person. Thing. And obviously the TVA was created to stop Kang from becoming a thing, to being a threat. Had a altruistic sort of kind of purpose, but got turned into this thing where it thing, I think it stifled free will. Ultimately, you can't do what you want. You can only do what Kang wants you to do. If you were on your timeline, you're doing what you're thinking, but if you step off, you decide, hey, I'm going to go do this thing, the TVA is going to stop you. It's lack of free will, and they talk about that. That you know, Renslayer says, like, the only one that gets free will is the man in charge, and, like, that's very – how very fascist of you, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, you know, it is – I think the ultimate thing is, like, what should – what is real is the multiverse should be a thing. We should have free will. Everyone should be able to do what they want in any universe they want. And yet, as Loki, Sylvie, they're the same person, but they're not. They're two different unique people with unique experiences. And one's a man, one's a woman. And even if one was – if they were both women or both men, they would still be different people. And that's the ultimate point. And I think like even going back to like we just – Watched, I just watched an episode of The Bad Batch, and that show is coming off of Clone Wars, and Clone Wars is about clones and all these clones that are – they are copies of the same guy. They're all the same, but yet they're so different. Each one of them is such a unique character, and it's also – and it's just like 
a metaphor for like life that we can all feel the same. We're all humans. We all kind of look the same and act the same and whatever, but we're all different. We're all unique and we all have a unique perspective on the world or the universe. And that's important. It doesn't really matter if you're the same or different. We're all we're no one is exactly alike, even if you are exactly alike. So you make the case that they are completely separate individuals. I 100 percent. Yes, I'm I am. I totally ship Sylvie and Loki. All right. I'm a shipper. So is, what, is, what is their ship name? I haven't been on that part of the Internet. Is it <sighs> Lovi or is it? I was going to say Sylvie, but that doesn't work. Maybe it's low key. Yeah, they both end. Silky. <laughs> oh, Silky. I think that's actually a thing. I oh my it, gosh. I think it could be. Um, so the, Jesse's question actually ties into uh, a couple of questions that we got from people in uh, in the chat before the show started. Jesse's right. got one that says, obviously, Alligator Loki has different DNA, but at what point does he differ? Jade sent us a, a question in the the chat on the intergalactic peace hangout group which if you're not a part of that please go join it we do a lot of really cool stuff over and there anybody can be a member you don't have to be a patron or nothing all yeah. are welcome we do have a patron group that gives you some other type of exclusives but you can find that at patreon.com slash ipc podcast just go up there anyways um the intergalactic peace hangout is a free group it's a public group it's open to anyone and we ask people you know what kind of things do you want us to specifically talk about on this show Jay sent us a picture of Alligator Loki and says, is he actually a variant or was he just trying to survive? So he banded together with the Lokis. I mean, that's a that's a question that they asked that Mobius is sitting there going like, well, I don't really remember pruning any alligators. Um, so maybe he's lying about it. But then he says, well, if he's lying about being a Loki, that actually adds more credence to him being a Loki if he's lying. <laughs> Very Loki thing to do, to lie about being a Loki. <laughs> it's so, a paradox. I love I love the meme, though. I'm, I don't have it where I can put it on the screen, but I posted it in that piece hangout of human Odin. Like, <laughs> I love having, the, having this conversation with <laughs> alligator Loki and... It's it's so funny. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to look it up right now. It's uh, kept it's, this uh, from you to protect you. You are adopted. And then in the bottom panel, it's just like alligator tears and confused alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what sound. And I like. love that his his nexus event is he ate the wrong neighbor's cat. Not not that he ate a neighbor's cat. He ate the wrong neighbor's cat. <laughs> neighbor's cat so <laughs> good okay but, by I'll, the I'll... way alligator loki best character in the show by far and that brings me to the joke that i have been waiting yes! to tell like eight hours now it's an alligator loki joke and <laughs> and it's i mean i know that in the nexus event he ate a cat but here's my joke for you what is alligators alligator loki's favorite thing to eat i don't know anybody in the chat i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give them a second to try and guess while we while we go to other talking points but this is my question what is alligator loki's favorite thing to eat 
Jesse says, was the alligator also a frost giant alligator? Now, that's very possible. Maybe it's just an alligator from the world of the frost giants and then, <laughs> then, got, uh, then got taken away. Um, Maybe he's a crocodile, thought he was an alligator. Oh, okay. Because that, that would kind of go with the whole uh, fluidity that they try and, and normalize here in the show. It's like, Loki's more of a concept than a gender, which we all kind <laughs> of knew that anyway, because of that other meme about like the field guide to boys, field guide to girls, and field guide to mischief. <laughs> and then you see the picture of like <laughs> Thor, Valkyrie, and Loki. It's like, ah, uh, yes, the gender of mischief. Yeah, there's and there's one meme where it's like it's like Thor's like, what is your gender? Mischief. He's just smiling. <laughs> I remember that one. I remember that one. Loki memes are honestly some of the best. This uh, show has produced some fire memes. I'm telling. It really you. has. It really has. Some of them are ones that you've made, by the way. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, I I make some fire memes in in my in, in on occasion. Um, I, I will take credit for a couple. Stuff that goes semi-viral, like that Mandalorian meme set to the tune of the monkeys. <laughs> that was that one, that one made me laugh. Uh, Jess is the only one that's giving a guess in the chat. He says, "What was the creature that looked like a cat in Captain Marvel?" That's my guess, but I'm bad at flirking. Flirking. Oh, flirking. Yeah. No, no, that's not. What that's flirking. That's not what Alligator Loki's favorite thing to eat is. Any other guesses before I just tell you guys? He's going to hold us in suspense. Any thoughts, Ben? I'm about to tell you. Uh, I know I'm going to feel stupid when you say it. Just go ahead and say it. (laughs) Remember, it's a joke. (laughs) So there's a punchline to it. It's not it's not something that's like super logical, like a flirkin. That would have been a good answer, but I didn't think of that. Um, okay. An alligator Loki's favorite thing to eat is glorious porpoise. (laughs) (laughs) And that was another meme. That was another meme. Uh, Here is my glorious porpoise. And then alligator Loki just comes up and eats it. Just picks up a dolphin. I know I'd feel stupid, and I really feel stupid now. That's good. That's really good. Well done, sir. Porpoise. Glorious porpoise. But honest, honestly, though, Richard E. Grant screamed oh out glorious purpose better than I could have ever hoped for. Like And, that, and that's, okay, Matthias wrote in and says he just mm-hmm. sent a gif of... Richard E. Grant he says, talk about him. Best role I have seen him in. I'm not going to disagree. Uh, Richard E. Grant freaking killed it, man. Blades are worthless in the face of a Loki sorcery. Very true. Very, very true. You Jay- totally buy him as a older version of Loki. Just totally. And Jade comments, okay, but he was in the Spice Girls movie, so obviously that was the best role. <laughs> I need to watch the Spice Girls movie now. I haven't because seen it either. Honestly, like, I've probably seen him in other stuff before, but, like, the only thing I really remember him from is The Rise of Skywalker. Right. I think that was, honestly, I think that was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. I'd ever heard of him 
prior to this. And I feel bad about that because he's an incredible actor. Really and is. and I heard that I watched the uh, the Loki documentary about the making of and they said they they built this character around him like they had him in the concept art before they cast him. So you could tell. Well, I mean, the costume fit him a little too perfectly, don't you think? Man, it, it's just it's so like that, like him describing like the events of the movies and like saying, oh, yeah, Thanos come in and I created an illusion. So great. I love it. He's like this guy. He's been around a long time. He's it's Loki. That's that's mastered all these illusions. He's so good at it. But I, I, I want now then to go back and to do a version of like Infinity War, but it's just, it's Richard E. Grant in the classic Loki garb. What if they did that for What If? That would, What If is sounding really great, and I I hope it goes for more than one season, we can get some more stuff like that. Like, what if it was classic Loki in Infinity War? How would Infinity War turn out if classic Loki was the Loki on scene? Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's a, that's a question worth answering. But then but, let, let's also give credence to the fact that there was actually a Loki variant whose Nexus event was killing his own brother. Yeah, Kid Loki. Like you is get a, little, a badass. You get a little dark in some sequences here, where like, yeah, there's a joke sequence of like eating the wrong neighbor's cat, but then there's also like some really dark stuff that's like, I killed Thor, and you're just like, <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This guy means business. Like he's he's been around, and apparently, according to that actor, he is the oldest of the bunch. He's been around the longest, and because he's because time doesn't work well in that area, he's just still a kid, even though he's probably thousands of years old, which is kind of crazy. Um, so he's, but I, he's I, I love all those performances in that sense, where like the aging process just doesn't work the same. Yeah, well, and and they also say in the TV like, oh, the time doesn't work well in TVA. So you, you're assuming like Mobius is like thousands of years old, maybe. I don't know. They all keep saying things like long time and things like that. And it's like, well, what what does long time constitute as? What does it mean? Millennia? Are we talking <laughs> generations could have gone by and Mobius is still around? I mean, obviously, if Loki is what they've pruned the most of and Loki's have caused that many Nexus events, then sure, I'm, I'm sure Mobius has been in business for a while now. Well, and you get the idea, not to jump too far ahead here, but like when you get to Kang or he, he who remains, you get the idea that guy has been in that room for like thousands of years. Like he is purely mad. Like he has gone mad. He's been in there so long. He's just like, kill me like i i'm just i've been here so long i just want to end it in the madness um so you can imagine like but like does like how do you measure time like that when you're jumping all around and it's kind of outside of time like the whole citadel thing is at the end of time and time is around it so like how do you like everything's happening at once Every- like how do you how do you measure that it's going around you, but it's also kind of going through you to a certain degree, because there are certain times where or, or one particular point at the end where he's like, we're in what did he say? Uncharted territory or something like that. Like, he says we've crossed the threshold. Crossed the threshold. And he says that 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 there is a timeline in that building that's like mm-hmm. there's stuff happening and then he only knows up to a certain point. 
of what's happening and what's going to happen. And he's like, oh, okay, things have changed. Um, I don't know what's going to happen now. Right, right. And so even with this omniscience that he apparently has, there are still certain limitations. And, oh, excuse me, it's been a long day. I feel you. Long day. And I didn't take an energy drink before this. I probably should have. I should have at least had a coffee. But I, I I don't know if you guys know what I do for the nine to five, but uh, I work for an ATM company. And usually I have somewhere in the range of like 12 to 15 stops, 16 or 17 on a busy day. Today I had 21 stops. <laughs> and it was, it was not pretty. And so... I did that, and then I came home and started working on Zach Arnold Productions, and then started working on IPC. It's just been work straight through. So when this is done, I'm going to bed. Yeah, but I feel you there. But crossing the threshold is another interesting time-oriented construct because you're like, how does time perceive itself? Like yeah yeah even yeah, at yeah. The, even at the end of time there is still a continuation. So right. with that script that he's got on the table, there are still things left unwritten, and I kind of appreciate the 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 metaphor there about how your story's never really finished until you say it is. Right. Yeah. It, it is like he has ultimate control of everything there, like in that room, like he knows what's going to happen. And even the TVA, like they pluck Loki from this time when, you know, 2012 Avengers, but then they show him his entire life. They show him up until he dies. And they're in a point they're outside of that timeline or maybe in their own timeline where they can look at everything along the line to see like where it goes, where it ends. And, and, and in a sense that what Moby says, I think earlier on in episodes, he's talks about like, Oh, they're the timekeepers are at the end of time and they're trying to, you know, do all of it and, 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 and unwind everything and make a, you know, an ending for the universe. Essentially it is correct that like this guy is sitting, but like he's just like he's just a crazy guy in a room, just like oh yeah, you could just you could kill me or you could you could take over, you know it doesn't make any difference to me, um and it also adds credence to the whole idea of like he's he's telling the truth because he like what does he got to lose, um he's literally saying just kill me whatever it's fine, um but it does add it just messes with your brain when you start thinking about it. well how does this time work how how does this all fit together but the time and thing and then oh, that whole at the end episode, you've got the logo and you've got all those sounds from all the movies. It's just great. I did love that. The, the, the writing, I mentioned it a little bit while you were away, but I, I've always stood by the notion that if I feel like I can write certain lines or if I feel like I could write them better, then I feel like I am wasting my time almost. Except when it comes to, like, cheap horror flicks, in which case it's <laughs> never a waste of time. Lamageddon will never be a waste of time. <laughs> Zombies will never be a waste of my time. But there are certain movies and TV shows that I feel like maybe could have been a waste of my time. And so I, um, so this this show, and, and particularly the the depiction 
of certain character interactions, certain action sequences, the revelation that the uh, the timekeepers aren't actually timekeepers. Yeah. Like there's a lot of stuff in here that I I didn't see coming. And mm-hmm. it was it was a very nice nod going back to what you were saying. I'm, I'm kind of like circling back here. It was a very time is a circle. Just it, circle around. People think that time is a straight progression of cause to effect when in actuality from a nonlinear non-subjective viewpoint. It's really more of a big ball full of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Haven't seen that episode in like seven years. And I still know that quote. Nailed it. Also, this is Loki is basically Doctor Who, just for the record. It's basically <laughs> an episode of Doctor Who. Get Peter Capaldi or Jodie Whittaker on the show, and you, it's, a, it's a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, it's, just, it's like fitting that like everyone wanted, uh, you know, Tom Hiddleston to play Doctor Who for so long. And now he's, he's basically Doctor Who in this. More or less. Where's his where's his TARDIS? What is his TARDIS? Anyways, uh, some some comments in the chat here from George. How do they figure out that robots are controlling time? Um, well, George, have you seen the episode? I'm I'm guessing no, and I'm not saying that in an insulting manner. I'm 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 legit curious about like how much are we giving away with the discussion here tonight? Um, because I'm I'm pretty sure Sylvie just like tries tries to kill one, and when she does it kind of reveals that it's an android head instead of an actual head. And they realize there's more to the timekeepers than meets the eye, basically. Yeah, I I heard that uh, Jonathan Majors actually voices the timekeepers. So that is his voice that you hear when the robots are talking. The very obvious, like, robots, because you can't hardly understand what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've seen more life out of Mr. Data from Star Trek The Next Generation than I did from those timekeeper androids. Yeah, it's like, seriously? You thought those guys were fake? You thought those guys were real? Like, come on. Like, you took a, took two Lokis to, to figure this out? Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so there's another question, and it comes mm-hmm. from uh, Jesse Bennett. And it's more of a statement, but I think we need to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, Mobius and his jet ski. Mobius or or like Mobius before he got plucked by the TVA. And obviously that plays right into his jet ski. We know he rode a jet ski at some point. Is he like, is he a jet ski salesman? Like, is that was that his profession? Did he like, was he like a professional jet ski rider? Is if that's even a thing like for motorsports or something like I'm curious, like I want to know now because we didn't get the answer in season one. What's the deal with Mobius and 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 uh, and the jet skis? Where was he? Where, what timeline was he in? I, I think one of the best questions is, you know, what's the deal with Mobius? You know, like he he started out seemingly a loyal and good and true TVA agent, and then he ends up, you know, be like coming to this realization and coming to trust the Lokis that he spent his career chasing. He comes to like trust them and listen to them. And, you know, comes to realize that maybe he was a variant, you know, and I think I think the moment when he got pruned was one of my favorite moments in the whole show. One of the most shocking moments for me. 
it, it made me realize just how unsafe everybody was. You know, no, right. nobody, nobody's safe. Nobody is certain. You know, nothing is guaranteed. Everything's on the table. And pruning him just like solidified for me how the TVA was going to ruthlessly stop at nothing to preserve their secrets. And I, I loved the secrecy of it all because I watch a lot of those types of, of mystery shows like like um, what is it Criminal Minds and, mm-hmm. and yeah. that where there's a lot of secrets and stuff that come you know unearthed eventually and the way that they unearth everything in this show is actually really really well done yeah i i like i like how it kind of spins i love just kind of the revealing of like obviously mobius dying being pruned is a fake out but like you totally believe that because they spent the whole series building up those sticks and like how powerful they are they can just erase you from existence and you're gone and like it so much so that like when they're f- doing fight scenes with the things like you would flinch, like I would flinch when they would like throw like fling like, at each other because like if they just touch you, you're gone. When it's coming close and like I, f- I feel like there was a hand to hand sequence in the throne room where like it gets really, really close and you're like trying to make sure that it doesn't touch you like that's a big make or break moment almost like a fight or flight it's like if your strength gives out if your adrenaline gives out in this moment you might cease to exist yeah and they also got a pointing into that thing i think sylvie stabbed a few people with that thing Mm -hmm. she was ruthless the hand-to-hand combat in that throne room scene was up there with the hand-to-hand combat in the throne room scene of the last jedi yes i clearly someone Whoever wrote this watched the last Jedi at least once. <laughs> there, was, okay. there was some. There was definitely some uh, that old throne room scene. And you're kind of back to back. Like I've seen this before. It's like that Marty McFly meme. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this a rerun. I know this one. I've seen <laughs> this is the first time. What are you talking about? Um, no, it, but I felt like it was more like a respectful nod, though. It wasn't like they were trying to. to no, no. Oh, oh, very, very much so. But I think. You know, being that the same guy that wrote this wrote Morty, Rick and Morty, like, you know, not only connected to the Back to the Future, but like Rick and Morty kind of references everything. Um, I think it, it adds credence to the idea. And I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things. And also um, that guy that I'm forgetting his name, he's working on Star Wars now. He's writing a Star Wars movie, I think. So, uh, yeah, it all comes full circle, full circle. Kind of does in this industry. I actually came to realize that there is a Hollywood producer that has worked on several big films who goes by the name of Zach Arnold. Really? Because usually if I look in credits and I'm like, hey, this is Zach Arnold. I know it's Zach Arnold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually Z-A-C-K, though. Okay. All right. So when I was looking up the whole Zach Arnold Productions thing, I wanted to make sure that nobody else had taken that name so that I could, you know, potentially file for a patent one day, that kind of thing. And when I typed in Zach Arnold Productions, it gave me Zach Arnold, Z A C K Arnold, the producer. Oh, so, okay. It's so, not exactly Zach Arnold Productions. It's a Zach Arnold that pro- that produces stuff. That actually but, produces. Uh, right. But you're the you're the sole Zach Arnold Z A C. Uh, Z A C H. C H. There yeah. you go. <laughs> my uh, my my girlfriend's sister in law calls me Zach. 
<laughs> I, I know, I know, it's like endearingly, but I'm like, every every time, every time I come over, it's like, hi, Satch, and I'm like, <laughs> hi. Oh my goodness, yeah, that's uh, I, that's funny. That's funny. It, it's all it's all in good fun, I'm sure. Jesse sent us another comment uh, in the live chat. He says, a theory about the Kang variant, kind of going back to the the character of Kang, which is something I definitely want to touch on um, during this last portion of the show, is these last two episodes or so, um, particularly with, you know, he who is at the end or whatever. He, he, he who remains. He who remains. Um, he says, he knew what could happen still like Dr. Strange, but none of them were guaranteed because he saw Wanda messing with stuff that the TVA can't control. Yeah. So what do you, what do you make of that theory? Like he knew what was going on, but there were certain things that were out of his scope of control as far as, stopping them and realigning the timeline completely yeah it's and it's it actually opens up a question of like okay the we have this tva that has apparently been there the entire time that has been watching things and and knows about all this stuff and and like loki calls them out intervene all that much kind of like Eternals. like what's the deal with all of these supernatural beings that have watched all of these crazy events unfold and just now are deciding that they want to step into the picture and start intervening yeah well yeah there's all this like you know you have all this stuff and like loki calls them on it and says like well what's going on like the the avengers like they went back in time they did all these shenanigans with the, the infinity stones like why didn't you stop them and they're like well that was supposed to happen like well how do you know that was supposed to happen what's going on i think and that opens up the whole lot of possibilities of like okay why didn't they stop certain things from happening and why didn't like say for example they deem that wanda doing her whole thing with her hex is not supposed to happen what are they going to do they go in there they can't exactly She's supposed to be like one of the most powerful beings in the universe. What are they going to do with her? You know, can they stop her? Probably not. Um, I think the answer to the question I'm leading up to is I think the TVA is trying to stop Kang. That's its purpose. That's what Kang himself set it up to do. Or Jonathan Major's character, Nathaniel Richards, however you want to call him, he who remains, is trying to stop Kang from creating a multiversal war. So I guess it just comes along the lines of if it's something that's not going to create another Kang variant, they'll just let it go. Whatever the Avengers did, time travel shenanigans, it wasn't going to affect anything. It wasn't going to create new Kang, so whatever. But because there was this whole talk while Endgame was going on, they're like, oh, well, when they go back in time, it creates new timelines or whatever else. And then we find out about TVA, and it's like, no, they prune the timelines. There's only one sacred timeline. Um, so it is – it's a bit much to kind of wrap your head around and also opens up a lot of questions, but that's my answer anyway. Hey, I'm going to take it one step further, though. What if Kang created the TVA? For the purpose of one day the TVA stopping slash killing him. Maybe. 
he knew here here's here's my reasoning for it and it, it's a it's a little loose so you can obviously like correct me on this i feel like this is gonna we be don't know what we're talking about guys don't think like, like it's like fine this is, I feel like this is gonna be the thing that robin comments on in a couple of days after the <laughs> audio version has been posted very loyal listener thank you for tuning in robin appreciate you but i feel like there's always some sort of critique that's like Oh no! This is why you're wrong, and this this will probably he, he's a he's a he's a he's a good listener. He pays attention, and he's he's ready to call us out and, when we make a mistake. Always, and I respect that. I appreciate that. But I'm just it. openly I'm just openly admitting at the forefront that this is probably not what they intended, but this is partially how I took it. If Kang has been there as long as he has. Then at some point down the road, he realized that he couldn't handle all of this himself. Hence, the creation of the Timekeeper facade, the creation of the TVA itself, um, creating, you know, these really, really capable investigators and, and creatures that are hell-bent on preserving this sacred timeline. But... When you take a look at investigators as, you know, capable as someone like Mobius is, I feel like they're almost destined to start figuring things out. And I think he knew that it would take centuries, possibly even millennia before we got to that point. But by that point, he would be tired enough that he's ready for whatever that next step becomes. So I I feel like let's say Loki isn't in the picture. Like let's say Mobius is doing his job, doing some investigating, starts putting two and two and two together, finds out the answer is six, and ends up getting pruned anyway. Mobius is at the end of time and is not that far away from meeting he who remains. If Mobius makes it to the end of all time, if Mobius makes it to this point and meets Kang, don't you think Kang would offer him exactly the same thing that he offered to the two Lokis? Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's like that's his whole deal. It's like you you made it here, you kind of earned it. Like, that's the whole thing. I think, obviously, the TVA agents are, like, they're plucked here. And I think I think there is a bit of, uh, I think Kang himself is, like, he, it may not, I mean, who knows? Like, Loki says he's he's telling the truth. But, like, you know, he could be fibbing. He, he admits he kind of lied a bit. Like, how much of this is actually true? But, like, he claims to say... You came here because I wanted you to come here. I paved the road. The reason you're here is because I wanted you to be here, and I picked you to take my place. Um, could he do the same with Mobius? Could Mobius just actually stumble upon this? Um, and you know, it seems like to me the TVA seems pretty th- like a thin veiled thing. Like seemed like somebody else would have figured out at some point. Um, it just took two Lokis, I guess, to finally kind of break through. But like, could anybody else have come through? Could Renslayer have, you know, figured it out? Cause she was in contact with the timekeepers. I don't know if Mobius had ever seen the timekeepers, but, uh, you know, it's, it is interesting to think about like what, you know, again, 
different timelines. What if, what if Mobius goes up there and takes over and it's instead of Jonathan Majors, it's Owen Wilson in the crazy house doing crazy stuff. Yeah, that that's basically along the lines of, of what I'm getting at is, you know, this this show is obviously about the Lokis. Duh. Names right in the title. But as far as like multiverses are concerned, as far as multiple uh, timelines are concerned, I feel like there has to be a universe out there where it's not a Loki that figures it out. And I, I I stand by the notion that it could have been Mobius, it could have been Renslayer, it could have been one of the Hunters. Somebody could have at some point put the pieces of the puzzle together and made it to He Who Remains and would have been the one that's offered it. Because the road the road has been paved. The, yeah, he said, I, I paved the road. But... I I don't see just one person going down my local interstate. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, that, and and I now now that we have a multiverse, and now that we have confirmed that now that last shot of it's a different Mobius and a different B fifty two in a different in a different timeline, and Kang is taken over. That opens the possibilities that there's possibly multiple and infinite number of TVAs, not just multiple multiverses, but TVAs. TVA is supposed to be outside of timeline, but it's being affected by what's happening. And so now Loki's going to have to figure out like the Mobius that he knew he can't find anymore. And like, you know, that's being taken over. Maybe there's a TVA in, in limited possibilities that, you know, Mobius is the one in charge. He's the timekeeper, whatever. Oh, okay. Here's, here's something else to consider. If the TVA exists outside of time, but there's multiple TVAs, based on that last scene, it almost feels like they are crossing over from one TVA to another based on what room you're in. As if the library is, you know, one tva and then the cafeteria is another tva right and you go downstairs a couple of levels to one of the office suites and you're in another tva there's really no other place in the timelines for the tva to go because they exist outside of time so you can have all of these multiple branches that are kind of splintering off going in different directions but it's almost like a stack of plates where you're putting one TVA on top of the other and it's just stacked into like a big pile of like separate time variance authorities outside of the existence and, and linear time that we've got. So the question that I have is, see, I when I first saw the episode, I assumed that like in that time that there only is one TVA, but Kang being that Jonathan Majors is dead, not the actor, the people playing. You understand how this works, not the actor. Jonathan Majors is fine. Um, he's dead, so now he's saying, okay, you kill me, you're going to create an infinite amount of me that's going to come back in the future. So that, in the span of just a few minutes, he went back in time, did all this, recreated the TVA in his own image, basically, and changed everything. So it's the same TVA, but with a different mascot, with a different, with Kang in charge. Um, but what flies in the face of that theory is the fact that 
you see Loki get thrown back into the TVA, and then you cut to Mobius sitting there looking at the screen. You can tell it's the same Mobius, but then Loki runs around the corner, it's a different Mobius. So that leads credence to the idea that there is multiple time, there's multiple multiverses of TVAs that are existing in different at the same time, but on different planes of existence. It's really complicated, guys. It's really messing with my brain. I'm <laughs> almost going as crazy as Kang is. <sighs> and I think that's one of the things that I really love about the prospect about this iteration of the MCU. Just when we thought that the collection of the Infinity Stones was like one of the biggest, most important pieces of the puzzle to the universe. We're trading that in for infinite characters from infinite universes potentially crossing over. Like, for scale, in the first episode, we see Infinity Stones being used as paperweights. He's got a whole drawer full of them. Infinity Stones are minuscule and inconsequential compared to what we're about to get from the multiverse. And to have all of that unfurling before our eyes, we're going to be seeing the same actor, I feel like. Right. But we're going to be getting different characteristics of Kang. And this one seems to have been, I don't know what you would call it, a philanthropic, if not somewhat um, eccentric version of Kang. But now right. that but now that he's dead, we're about to be getting Kang the Conqueror. You know, we're we're going we're going from a a benevolent King Kang, whatever you want to call him, King Kang versus King Kong. We need that as a movie poster. Well, and there's also there's a there's a thing in the comics I read. There was a meme that I, I shared a few weeks ago. It's Kang the Kangaroo the Conqueror. There is a variant of Kang. It's a kangaroo. And I want to see it so bad. I mean, if we're going to have an alligator Loki, then <laughs> Kangaroo the Conqueror isn't too far-fetched. It's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. But going off of that, kind of expanding beyond the Loki conversation just a bit, if you will, one of my favorite things about this show, finishing the way that it does, is it opens up the prospect of encountering not only different versions of yourself, but allowing for the crossover of different universes. Yeah. And this yeah. is one of the worst kept secrets in cinema. <laughs> but yeah. there are there are snoops and reporters out there that are reporting sites of people like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in Los Angeles just in time, conveniently, for the Spider-Man reshoots. This is something that I have wanted for a long time. And honestly, I think I said years ago that I really, really would want to see the other two Spider-Men show up in Tom Holland's universe in some capacity. But we didn't really have a whole lot of that potential until it was touched on just a little bit um, with, you know, um, who was it? 
um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in uh, Far From Home. Um, Plus, you're talking about Mysterio. Mysterio, yes. I, I don't know why the name slipped from my mind there for a second, <laughs> but that that's like one of the only times when multiverses kind of got, uh, you know, even mentioned. And now we've got a whole show where the canon is centered around multiple universes, multiple versions of yourself. Like, the table is set. It is right here, ready for the opportunity to see the other two Spider-Men in No Way Home. And it I gotta feels tell inevitable you, now. I got I got to tell you man, out of all the possibilities of doing universe crossovers, this one excites me the most. Because you've got enough Spider-Man villain characters from these three guys to comprise a Sinister 6. You know, you yeah. you you've you've got characters like Doc Ock from the Maguire franchise who, you know, that's been confirmed that he's coming back. You you've got the potential to bring in somebody like the Vulture from Homecoming. Yeah. Uh I believe he met the Scorpion in prison in one of the post-credit scenes. Yep. And you've you've got Jamie Foxx's character, was it Electro? Electro. You've got Electro as a possibility right there. So I think that's like four out and of... And you got Donald Glover out there somewhere. He's supposed to be the Prowler. So that's yeah. possible. And then there's the big talk of now that Netflix has, uh, has expired its term for its rights to the Marvel franchises that they were airing stuff for. Now we're getting the talk of somebody like Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. Oh, my God. It's not a great source on that. And I posted in the group. I was like, this may not happen, but my God, how great would it be if it does? If we got freaking Wilson Fisk, just a cameo. He doesn't have to do anything. Just have him there. Just give him one scene. I want it so bad. Let him be the puppet master of the other five for all I care. The Just set him up. I want him to be like the main <clears throat> villain. I want him like like the big bad on the streets of the MCU. Like he's he's getting in. He's hooking up with all these people. And he's, you know, and there's, oh, okay, here's the rumor. Here's the rumor. It's not that he's going to be in No Way Home. The rumor is he will show up in the Hawkeye series. And we've seen set photos from this Hawkeye series, and it's on the streets of New York. There's all this thing with Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, and they're doing Hawkeye stuff with on the streets of New York. How, I mean, why wouldn't you? That sounds awesome. I think that would be a perfect way to integrate Vincent D'Onofrio and Wilson Fisk into the MCU by having, you know, and what was hawkeye doing you know it wasn't the good thing but like he was hunting down criminals in endgame like maybe he kind of regresses and goes back into that um and wilson fisk could be on his radar oh man the other the other one that i really love and and i know that now we're getting into like the speculation side of things but i love speculating um the big reveal at the end of far from home 
is going to mean, you know, the potential for lawsuits and stuff being forged against Peter Parker. He's going to need a lawyer, isn't he? Yeah. Who better? It's right there. Who better than Matt Murdock? It's right there. It's right there. I seriously, I will be disappointed if it's not Charlie Cox in the courtroom scene that inevitably comes up. I will be disappointed. I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment. There's no... There's no solid evidence to say that it will happen. There's been a right. lot of rumors. Um, and there was another thing about uh, Deborah Ann Wohl was supposedly spotted with uh, with uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst in New York or L.A. And it got debunked. And she came yeah. out and said, no, it's not me, whatever. And I was like, oh, my God. Everyone freaked out about it. It wasn't the case. Still wanna, I still want to believe, people. I still want to believe. I Cling to the hope. Here's here's the thing with this new phase that Marvel is introducing, and with the critical nature that the television series are playing in the outcome of this phase, it stands to reason that integrating, you know, existing successful television needs to be on Disney's radar. I have no doubt whatsoever that. You know, they are finding ways to incorporate characters and storylines from Netflix's successful series and and finding ways to bring them into the MCU. It's just a matter of time. I am of the opinion that um, Tatiana Maslany's She-Hulk is going to encounter Jessica Jones at some point. I think that feels like. They're doing so many things. You've got Hawkeye, you've got Spider-Man No Way Home, you've got She-Hulk. All those, I feel like they could like very well and very easily integrate those Netflix heroes into the normal MCU. And even if not, even if, let's say, for example, the, the head honchos at uh, Disney and Marvel Studios – Kevin Feige, what have you, say, no, 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 no. The Netflix stuff, that's not MCU. That's not in this universe. That isn't our stuff. Guess what? It is now. Everything is freaking canon because of the multiverse. Everything. So even if it's not in that universe, it is now because there is a universe where Jessica Jones and Daredevil and all those guys are hanging out, and they could pop over if they wanted to, but there's really no reason to make it a different universe. They never – stepped on each other's toes they just exist just, you could easily just slot that in and the way daredevil ended was just like perfect you could just pick that up where it left off and mm-hmm. just do it just do it do it <laughs> the way you smacked the table and like shook your camera just do it, do it! Oh, no channeling do it. my shia labeouf shia labeouf do it just do it. All right. Um, we've got we've got a few more questions actually from the from the chat from not from the chat. I, I know you're handling the chat. I wanted to get to some in the uh, Facebook group. I think there's a couple we didn't we didn't get to. Um, one is from uh, Din from F105, good friend of ours who listens to the show. Um, and he he reminded me of who wrote this show, Michael Waldron, who is writing this. He wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. He's writing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. Busy guy. Yeah. And uh, Din says, Michael Waldron's amazing writing. He made me love Loki. And I, I'm going to echo that. I'm someone who 
I wasn't I liked Loki a lot. I mean, we love Loki, but he wasn't like my favorite character. He wasn't a character that I had a whole lot of affinity for. This this show like really made me invest in the character of Loki. It really made me care about him so much more. And you know, I'm just I love character development. I love characters that like you can see them at one point and then they keep going and you see them at a different point and they're completely different. Loki's a character that didn't do that for a long time, his whole thing. And I was almost frustrated with Thor Ragnarok. I'm like, come on, Loki, you gotta do something, man. You gotta change. Like you get a little glimmer of hope at the end when he gets killed by Thanos and he's trying to do something good, trying to kill Thanos. But like this show just gives him a completely different story, gives him a completely different outlook and changes him from the you watch him in the first episode and the last episode, completely different character. I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The growth that you see. And I think we touched on this a little bit without, you know, dropping Waldron's name specifically, but the the characters in the first episode are not the same characters you see in the last episode. Absolutely. Everybody has had a different experience based on the way that they encounter everyone else. And that is so true to life. You are changed by the people around you. You are not the same person after you spend a critical amount of time with them. And after Hilson's Loki spends all this time with Sylvie. He's a different character. He's more caring and more compassionate. He's okay with working as a team. You know, after Mobius, he's not quite so uh, pessimistic, but he's a little more optimistic. Even people like Renslayer, she's not the same stone-cold person that you see in the first episode. You know, she's got a little spark of curiosity to her towards the end of the series as well. So there's the only person that stays the same is Miss Minutes. Okay. <laughs> Even she gets like she's like creepier by the end. Hey y'all! Like, oh my god! <laughs> no Jump scares. I mean, you, you got you got to do a little of those at some point, don't she you? She got but, the devil in her. Hey y'all! <laughs> oh man, so much Mister DNA vibes. <laughs> it's like mr dna but somehow just evil like oh man like they did a number on that haven't seen star trek lower decks have you i have seen one episode of that show okay there's there's one episode i don't know which one but there's an episode in the first season where one of the engineer characters wants to create like a like a holographic com badge that's got an adaptive ai built into it so it kind of turns like informational and helpful and stuff but eventually the ai starts learning and growing and adapting and it kind of turns into like a killer hologram and like wants to like wants to kill you and that's that's also kind of the vibes that i got from miss minutes was like Oh, you're helpful, but you're also deadly. (laughs) So good. Okay, we got one more question. Yeah, to 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 echo Din though, I don't I don't want to like be too careful about it. Um, Amazing writing is probably the best way to put it because there's, I mean, aside from the extra monologuing that goes on in the final episode i would dare say that like episodes four and five are two of my favorite episodes of television period 
the the way yeah. things come to a head, the way they unfold, the action sequences, the the writing, the revelations, um, the the void and Eliath and all of that with the different Loki variants. Episode five in particular is my favorite. Yeah, like like the 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 show just gets better and better and better, and then leaves you wanting more of the show and more of the MCU. And so, like, it did its job, and it did it perfectly well. Yeah, absolutely. And we have one more question from Jeremy Dove. Oh, are we really who, in this question? Uh, we got to get it out of the way, all right? I told him I'd answer all these questions, and uh, he's going to steer us back into rated R territory here. I'm sorry. First. He says, how many dudes has Loki banged, and who are they? So, what is your opinion? <laughs> I mean, this goes back to my original <laughs> question, you know, is is Loki allowed to bang himself? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Why did we have to? Well, they, they, you got to give him a shout out. You got to give him a shout out. They did, you know, pretty big deal. They, they confirmed that he's, you know, he's, he's not, he's not just, uh, he's not just interested in in girls. Um, he's he's all over the place, and and it makes sense for Loki. I, I love that he has that little line. It's subtle. It's nice. Oh, you know, maybe there's some princesses, maybe some, maybe a few princes. Like I, I like that little. That's a great scene. Just overall, just some great acting from both of them, and and getting some thing. Which I, to be honest, Lamentus is my least favorite episode of the entire series because I feel like it it drags a bit too much in story wise. But there is some. Really great acting moments and some great action too. Yeah, I mean they they try and they try and make up for it a little bit with you know taking some other things and and trying to build upon it. But you know this is something that we haven't really touched on all that much, and I, I feel kind of remiss that we that we really haven't all that much. But how how great of an actor must you be? to be able to take a long existing character that's been around for a decade now and put your own twist on the character with the way Sophia DiMartino did with the character Sylvie to like, make. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's just crazy. Like that, that's a testament to the writing. Yes. But it's also a testament to DiMartino's prowess to be able to take the characteristics that we know about Loki and put her own twist on it. Like, wow. Yeah. You're coming at this, you're coming at this playing, essentially playing a character that's been around a long time. You're playing your own version of it, but you're playing against the guy that's been playing this character for 10 plus years now. That's a, that's a huge part to play. And she, pulled it off so well. And she was able to have so much chemistry with thing, not just like, love chemistry but like hey gazing into other's eyes and kissing like it was you know playing off of him and and being just fed up with him and there's so many great moments with those two and lamentus even though it's my least favorite episode there's so many great moments that of character building between the two of them that build so much great chemistry i think it's wonderful and she just she knocked it out of the park like i can't wait to see more of this character and the fact that she's like She's probably had the biggest impact of any character in the entire MCU. She created the multiverse. She she is 
first on uh, Doctor Strange's poop list. Um, yeah. Hit the, hit the ground running. Why don't you? Okay. <laughs> is is she at the top of the list or is Wanda at the top of the list? I, I don't know. It depends on like who caused the biggest problem. I feel like I feel like it's Sylvie. Okay, but in WandaVision, it it gets very clearly expressed that Wanda's powers are on the cusp of surpassing the powers of the Sorcerer Supreme. And I think that's going to be a big thing with in the Multiverse of Madness is the fact that she's more powerful than him. She's at least equal power to him. She He can't control her. She's mm. going to be doing stuff that he, he's going to be along for the ride. She's going to be probably creating a lot of the horrors that uh, they're going to experience. And, and Doctor Strange, oh man, I feel so sorry for Doctor Strange. Like, cheers to Doctor Strange, man. He's got a hell of a job to do over the next few years. It's so weird because I, I almost feel obligated to go back and watch the first Doctor Strange movie, even though it's like in the bottom three <laughs> of my favorite MCU movies. Like, bottom five, probably. Like, like yeah. Incredible Hulk is like way, way down there, too. And right. there, there, there are a couple of others that I'm just like, eh. I I need to I think I recently watched Doctor Strange and I I, I definitely just watched uh, Thor Dark World and I got to say it holds up pretty well and it definitely it is improved by everything connecting to it especially Loki and Endgame all this kind of stuff I think I think MCU movies do age well um I don't think they get worse um I'm not saying that I love any of those movies I mean they're movies that like Eh, they're not bad, but I'm not going to go rewatch it as many times as I've watched Thor Ragnarok. But, you know, it, it has aged better than I would expect it. Yeah. Jesse's upset by that comment. He goes, Doctor Strange is a top five Marvel. <laughs> hey, a lot of people like Doctor Strange. It's not a universally hated movie. A lot of people rate Doctor Strange. And I'm that's totally fine. I, I'm I'm glad people love it. Um, I love Doctor Strange as a character. <laughs> And uh, I, I like Infinity Wars. Like he's makes he makes that movie so much better. Um, I, but I am so 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 excited for Multiverse of Madness. Even though I'm not a horror movie fan, they keep talking about it as a horror movie. Um, I'm all in for that one. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I'm most excited for. Actually, is how different it's shaping up to be. Like everybody that right. they're in about it is saying that it's going to have a different tone it's going to have a different approach that it's just it's going to be something unlike anything we've seen in the mcu before and if loki is any kind of an indicator then that's shaping up to be a hell of a ride for sure yeah okay one more question is from jesse then we'll, we'll probably jump into final thoughts after this but he says um also how how we never got cameos from the other heroes. This show trusted the power and their or of their of the star, and it worked. So basically, what he's talking about is like the lack of cameos. Like we didn't get a we didn't get a Hemsworth, we didn't get a Downey Jr. or a Steve you know Steve Rogers or any of those guys. It was mainly focused on Loki. We got a Sif cameo, which I thought was great. But it mostly was focused on Loki, and and as much as I love the cameos, and I was all in on yes, Doctor Strange is going to show up in Wandavision. I I think they did this right. Oh, sorry, I I made that gag, I made that gagging motion for the camera, 
and I ended up getting a bout of lockjaw on the side. Oh, of, oh my goodness! On, on the on the side of my on the side of my mouth here. And so I knew I, there was something going on a little strange. Do you need yeah. me to talk some more so you recover yeah, from about, that? I mean, I I just can't open my mouth very wide. So if it if it looks if it looks weird on the video feed, I apologize. But like. I'm like physically incapable of opening my mouth more than like an inch right now. So oh, it's uh, um so maybe we do need fact, to kind of start wrapping this up for more okay, than a reason. It's my, it's my own damn fault for doing weird facial expressions for the camera. This cameraman, it's ruining us. I was I was being a ham and now I'm paying the consequences. See, okay, first of all, I do hand gestures. This is me. This is me talking. I've mm-hmm. always done this, mm-hmm. um, but I am encouraged by this camera. Like now I'm like, oh, I know people are watching. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play to the camera and do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing the same thing. So uh thanks, people, for uh literally injuring ourselves for your entertainment. Going off of the topic of cameos, though, he also posted a question in the chat about Stan Lee cameos and where they would have fit into the TV series if he was still alive and still around to make those types uh, of cameos. Stan Lee, man. I miss him. I really do. But honestly, and don't don't like drag me through the streets for this. I don't think I don't think I missed him enough to wish he was in these shows. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I, I don't I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that in the sense that these shows are standing on their own without the need for any kind of a cameo like like not once until he brought it up in the chat. Not once did I actually think, well, wait, we just spent six hours watching the show. Why didn't we get Stan Lee in it? Like not once did that factor in as an equation for me not once when i'm watching the falcon and winter soldier did i wish we saw the security guard at the museum you know like like right. it, it just it didn't register it never popped up and so i yes i do miss him and i do miss being able to be like ah there he is but i think they're i think they're doing the right thing by being respectful of his impact and not including him in it but and i think as, it'll 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 add some speciality to those original movies too, going back and, and revisiting them. And, and like we see these new movies, we're kind of getting used to the idea. Like we're not going to have Stan Lee, and you go back and watch, you know, First Avenger. Oh yeah, there's Stan Lee. Like I remember that. Like you know, there's something special, and you know, him being in all those movies was such a it was such a, t- a great time, and he got to be in the Infinity Saga and all the way to the end. Um, but, uh, I know they've been, I think some, I think Falcon or soldier, he was like a picture in the background or something like that. They, they found a way to kind of sneak him in every once in a while, but obviously I'm, I'm glad they're not going to try to replace him or put new cameos in or whatever like that. Just, you know, he is memorialized in these movies. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. I'm with you there. Uh, speaking of moving on, let's go ahead and move on to our, our final thoughts and maybe favorite episodes or scenes or quotes. You know, different favorite characteristics of, of things from this show and our overall rating out of 10. If you're still with us live in the chat, be sure to hit us up in the chat as well. I believe we got like a 9 out of 10 rating from Jesse. I forget if we got any other ratings from anybody else. 
George, I know you haven't finished it yet, so go ahead and finish the show and <laughs> then get back to us on what you're going to rate it out of 10. And just a heads up to everybody, make sure that you watch the uh, the two-part finale of The Bad Batch, because two weeks from now, we're talking The Bad Batch here on IPC, and you yep. will have, you will have to be caught up, and you will be exposed to spoilers just one week after the finale airs. So uh, you better be ready for that. But yep. Ben, final thoughts on Loki and its scope in the MCU, its impact, uh, both, you know, maybe... Um, what is it? I wouldn't. I don't want to say politically, but culturally, you right. know, impact culturally and the impact that it's going to have on the MCU moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, it you know, as with the multiverse, multiverse, and it's you know, unlimited multiverse, um, the multiverse, multiverse. Um, you know, with this being this unlimited amount of universes, there is a unlimited amount of possibilities. Um, and I think we're going to be seeing this. I think we're going to look back on like not, this show and that particular episode of, you know, the last episode of Loki and go like, wow, like in 10 years, it's going to be a huge battle. Like they're the Avengers are going to be fighting Kang, like thousands of Kang. And we're going to be like, Oh, that's where it started right there. That's when it happened. And you know, it's going to be, the impact is literally limitless, but I think also, you know, they could have, yes, it leads up to that. The, the culmination of the show is leading into something big for the MCU, but it's still important for the characters. It was an important choice. And it was an important journey that Sylvie and Loki went on, and it was still affecting them. And it's still – Loki still had this great character arc, and he, and he ended up in a place where you're looking forward to seeing where he goes next. And I think that's very important. It could have just all been about enhancing the universe, but really it should be about the characters. It should be about you know giving the characters something like that. You know, um, And that's what I loved about Falcon Winter Soldier. It was about like, yes, there's things changing in the universe, but like what are these characters doing? What are they about – what are they thinking and how are they going to react to the world? And I think that's what's important about Loki is that it is, as the title says, it's about Loki and his journey. And I can't wait to see where he goes next. And I think that's the strength of the show is that it just it drives home that idea. And, and just, you know, whether it's many Lokis, whether you're going into that thing. And here, I'll go ahead and give my favorite moment. My favorite moment is why the hell is there an alligator in here? I love. I love the whole just bleep bleeping just cluster bleep of a scene where it's President Loki and it's classic Loki and boastful Loki and kid Loki and they're all facing off and it's alligator Loki and he takes his hand off and it turns into just madness. And uh, and the one person who isn't involved is Loki. Our Loki is like, okay, he's just kind of tiptoeing around and just like, nope, don't want any part of this. Like, out of all this, he's the one that just wants no part of this madness. Um, it's it's genuinely like like one of like top five favorite scenes in the MCU overall. Um, um, do I, is this where I point where I give my planet score? Yeah, we can, we can, we we still yeah. have a we still have a barbecue segment to talk about tonight. Okay, all right, so yeah. I'm gonna give this one. Don't have an idea. I came up with one. Okay. All right. I think I think uh, I think I might let you have that one. <laughs> um, I'm going to give the I'm going to give Loki, man, 
uh, do I give it? Do I give it the thing? You know what? Oh. I'm gonna give it a nine point five. I'm gonna give it a nine point five. Okay, so where's that half point coming from? That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because like, do I give it a ten out of ten? Because I can't think of anything that I dislike about this show. Well, I mean, you know what? You ten did... out of ten. Okay, you caught me. Ten out of ten. Go all the way. All right. Okay. Ten out of ten. Okay, but you did say that there was an episode you found to be like a little slower than the others. Like okay, you were, all right, that's the half a point. That is you, the half a point. Lamentous. You, you said you correct. weren't that on on Lamentous. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Thank you for helping me uh, psychoanalyze myself and figure this out. I, dude, I've got social anxiety. I psychoanalyze myself <laughs> regular. Okay, like this is this is nothing new. <laughs> uh, Jesse says his favorite scene is the interview between Mobius and Loki. I do really enjoy that scene. It kind of like sets the tone for the whole rest of the show. But if I if I had to pick something, um, shoot, man, I I might pick the 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 fight scene and the way episode five leaves you on a cliffhanger, uh, like like classic Loki's glorious purpose sacrifice of Elioth and He's the, so the good, teamwork man. and collaboration, the, the working together <laughs> to achieve the goal of getting beyond Elioth. Like, I don't know, man, there's just, there's something about that scene that just feels very MCU and feels very heroic. And it feels very anti what you would expect of Loki. Right. Like you can see that type of heroism at times when he's with Thor, but you just get the vibe that he's like feeding off of Thor's heroic energy. In my opinion, this is one of the first times we actually see the heroic side of Loki without his brother. Ah, that's a great point. Yeah. Cause you really like, it's always like he's playing second fiddle to Thor and kind of he's, if he's doing something heroic, it's because he's following Thor into battle and not doing it himself. This is him taking a leap is a great point that that's him taking the initiative instead of doing get help he is the help <laughs> like that that's that's the best way i know how to put it so yep. yeah i mean i i think you're right lamentus probably does drag a little bit and i don't really care for the over dialoguing that goes on in episode six i wish that it could have been done a little bit differently outside of just sitting at a table across from one another and talking at each other for like more than half of an episode like yeah. Yes, I love that, but I totally get not there, that jiving. I totally get it. There was so much exposition and so little time. Like, I wish that that had been spread out over two episodes. I know they had other things to talk about, um, but I, 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 I just wish that 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 could have gone over the course of two episodes instead of being mushed together into one. So. Uh, for Lamentus's pacing and the over dialoguing of episode six, I'm probably going to give this a nine out of ten. Fair enough. I think I think it's fair to say we're in the nines. I think we are on the same page. Loki's <laughs> pretty darn good. And and I'm pretty sure it's got like an eight point five out of ten or something on IMDb. So most people seem to feel similarly to how we do. Yep, eight point five. Yeah. So it's got it's got pretty high ratings all across the board, and rightfully so. And I, I still say strongest of strongest yet of the MCU shows. I think. 
see, I, I, I agree with you because they turned Quicksilver into a butt joke. <laughs> you still haven't forgiven Ralph Boner nope. yet. I'm no, not. if I no, I have not. I have been either. All right, all right. I still have a bone to pick. All right, I'm yep. gonna look. Yeah. Look, we're in the media. All right, one of us is going to interview Kevin Feige one day. All right, and we're gonna ask him about Ralph Boner. All right, we're gonna say, hey, Kevin, uh, you betrayed us. What do you have to say for yourself? I still have a theory, and I feel like I've discussed this theory before. Not to get <laughs> too far on a WandaVision trail, but Jimmy Woo was supposed to meet up with a contact and that's how he discovered what was happening to the town he had a contact in witness protection that he was trying to follow up on i would assert the idea that this contact he's following up on is in actuality is quicksilver under the secret service you know protection agency pseudonym ralph boner oh my gosh <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I think a realistic, the most realistic and the thing that I would actually forgive Ralph Boner for if they did in the multiverse of madness, if they're like going through multiverses and it's Doctor Strange and Wanda and they're on this mission and they show up and they land in one universe and Peter is just standing there. Quicksilver from Fox. He's just standing there and they're like, oh, we've seen you before, whatever. And they just walk away. And he's like, what, dude? What's going on? <laughs> and they and of course, he is actually <laughs> her brother, but they they don't know. And we're like, oh, my God, that would be the one thing that I would actually take. They've got him under contract. So, you know, maybe they they pick up that option and, and have him do something else in the universe. Whatever they decide to do, well, I, I'd be happy to see Evan Peters back uh, in in the fold again, just because. You know, we, we were talking a lot about the Spider-Man franchise. I'm ready for the X-Men franchise to start popping up in this multiverse, you know? Like, yep, they... you know, we got our first official Fox Marvel, you know, crossover with Deadpool doing a trailer review with Korg. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's time to build on that. And let's let's do some more. Like, oh, my gosh, I love that so much. That's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> it's it's time. It is time. And uh, now that we've given our scores and gotten scores from everybody else, it's also time for the uh, final segment of the evening before we say our goodbyes. Uh, if you're still with us live two hours later, or maybe it's like an hour and a half, I don't know. Um, I, I kinda, Time is weird. I kinda, time I, passes differently here in the IPC podcast. It really does. It really does. Um, but it is time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue, 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 While we were talking, I did a little internet searching and uh, came up with an article from Cajun Country on oh. on recipes for barbecued alligator. Oh, my God. You're going to 
Cook, you're gonna kill and cook alligator Loki. How dare you? Dude, you're gonna have the internet on us. They're gonna kill us for this. There's there's like whole articles from from people who live in like the the Louisiana slash Florida area that's like how to how to skin and season and prepare and cook this uh the the these things and they leave the tails and the heads on them and then like take everything else off i don't know if that's just for dramatic effect or not but i'm looking at this picture man it's it's crazy the way that they've got it seasoned it looks like a big long skinny chicken almost like all the way down to the to the drumsticks and the tail and stuff but I, I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe I actually have tasted alligator. There's restaurants you can go into down here that like it's on the menu. You can buy it. You can cook it up, fry like I would like, like you do a little bits. I still feel bad though, especially after seeing Loki. I'm like it's it's alligator. It's a Loki. I don't want to eat Loki. Listen, listen to this. This is from HowToBBQRight.com from uh, a year ago. Um, you get you get it up to 275 degrees using pecan wood and load the gator on the cooking grate. It takes about four and a half hours for a gator of this size to get to 165 internal in the tail. And that's how you tell that the whole thing is done. At this point, oh, you remove it and hit the bark with a 50-50 blend of barbecue sauce and vinegar sauce. Um, in true ninja style, Craig, one of his, one of his cohorts broke out the propane torch and hit the gator with what they called a Cajun brulee. Oh my gosh. Blow torch, <laughs> a propane blow torch and just, and put like this, like a creme brulee crusting on it to give it like a little bit of a burnt taste to it uh pry the mouth open during the cook and you can stuff it with other meats they smoked a whole chicken and put it inside the mouth of the gator <laughs> so you've wow heard of, heard of turduckins here's a chigator yeah that's insane that is insane. <laughs> question to our audience would you try barbecued gator uh, the the pictures that they're sending don't look particularly appetizing but i know that it's a part of like the deep south culture and so uh i'm i'm kind of intrigued but i don't know if i'm intrigued enough to actually try it it's a uh, it's a little intimidating when you when you're trying to munch on something that looks like it's going to bite back at you yeah i mean alligators i've seen alligators in like zoos and and even in the wild cuz i live near the water and all this kind of stuff you know, there's a lot of them down here. Um, they are terrifying. They are legitimately terrifying. They're fascinating, but they're freaking terrifying. Not alligator Loki. He's adorable. Um, he is not terrifying at all. But every other alligator I've ever met, they're freaking terrifying. So uh, something, I guess it's just in our nature as humans. We're like, that thing is big and it's going to eat me. So I'm going to kill it first and I'm going to eat it and I'm going to barbecue it. That's that's mm. us. That's uh, just our animal caveman instincts i guess it's our, it's our desire to be the top of the food chain man we're not gonna let anybody top us on that so i mean i i get it but at the same time it's kind of like i i don't get it either <laughs> like like i don't want to eat lion you know 
Like I don't I don't I'm not I'm not no. that I'm not that desperate to prove that I want to be on the top of the food chain. So yeah, and I always because like down here they will like they will catch these like enormous alligators, like enormous yeah. ones, and they'll like capture and kill them all. So I'm like like that thing lived in the water for like probably hundreds of years. Like they're 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 literal dinosaurs. Like they've been around for a long time, and you freaking killed it. Like I I can't help. I know there's a lot of them down there, but and and sometimes they eat dogs and children and stuff like that it's it's bad um but uh still leave it alone come on it's lived alone <laughs> just let it let it thing i'll i'm perfectly fine with pulled, pulled alligator or whatever uh, yeah yeah i i get it <laughs> i don't i i'm that way with sharks okay like Sharks are like the dinosaurs of the ocean, and people are pulling them out and cutting their fins off and putting them in soup. That's 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 honestly that's barbaric. It really and is. Then, like and then and then dumping their finless bodies back in the ocean for them to drown. Like I, I'm not like at the least like put it out of its misery. Like if you're gonna do something like that stupid and that awful, like at least. Uh, that's just terrible. I hate it. I humans, hate it. humans, we've done some good things, but man, we've done some bad things, and that's one of them. People suck, man. People <laughs> suck. With yeah. that, I want to thank you <laughs> <laughs> the episode 330 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Be sure to follow us on all our socials. We've had them posted uh, in the video all evening tonight. Uh, ben Hart with no E at Zach the Voice at IPC Podcast. You can sponsor us at patreon.com slash IPC Podcast. You can find us on Phantom Empire over on YouTube. You can find us right here on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are also selling swag on tpublic.com slash user slash IPC Podcast. And we've got all kinds of different places that you can listen to previous episodes, uh, places like Google and Apple Podcasts, uh, StarWarsUnderworld.com, IPCPodcast.Podbean.com, just all kinds of places, all kinds of stuff to participate in throughout the week. And if you do become a patron, then you'll get access to our show notes, no matter how tardy they may be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get access to, like, exclusive groups and news updates and special behind the scenes of what we do here on the show um, and so much more. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for considering supporting us financially. And we're looking forward to seeing you in two weeks for an episode talking about The Bad Batch. So don't forget to watch it before you tune in, because it's going to be a spoilerific episode uh, two weeks from now. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of things. I have a lot. I've been holding back tonight because I just saw that episode. I'm like, whoa! Oh, yeah. All the feels. All the feels. All right? I don't want to say anything, but there's a lot to discuss, and we'll get to it next time. There was... I'm going to say this, and I'll probably pick up in two weeks where I'm leaving off tonight. There was a death at the end of that episode that I mourned more than actual Jedi deaths in Revenge of the Sith. Seriously. And it's not when you when you say death, it's not what you think. If you haven't seen the episode, yeah. it's not what you think. And uh yeah, it's it's tough, man. That Dude. episode was a tough watch. 
and left you on a pretty good cliffhanger. Left you wanting. <laughs> Cannot wait for next week, man. Part and two. the week after that, we can actually talk about it and actually spill my guts on this thing. Part two is next week, and episode 331 will be a full discussion on the season finale, the confirmation of season two, uh, characters, story arcs, all kinds of great stuff. So be sure to tune in for that uh, two weeks from now, probably on Phantom Empire on YouTube, but uh, we'll make sure that you know uh, one way or another, as long as you're Go following Go join us. the P- Intergalactic Peace Hangout. I think that's the best place to actually keep up with what's going on. Yeah, so go join the group, go follow our socials, and find out exactly where we'll be broadcasting next week or two weeks from now. But, Ben, unless you've got anything else, I think we can finally call it a night. No, no, I think this was a great discussion about a great show, and we've got more great stuff to talk about. Um, The Suicide Squad is coming out, like, this week. I can't wait to watch it, and eventually we're going to talk about it on this show. Um, Bad Batches is is coming, and uh, there's so many other things that I hope COVID doesn't ruin that we can actually watch in a freaking theater and live like normal human beings for once. Um, But all that said, this was a great episode. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening, and uh, we will talk at you in the near future. Until then, for Ben Hart, this is Zach Arnold signing off. We'll see you next time right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.